Good evening, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. This week, we are tackling the tough topic of forgiveness. So far, we have explored the forgiveness of Calvary and forgiveness as a process. But tonight, I'd like to speak to you for a little while about forgiving the one that we most find difficult to, to forgive. And that is ourselves. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to gather together in your name. God, we thank you for your goodness toward us, Lord. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy, oh God. We thank you, God, that we can count on you when we come to you with our needs and when condemnation and, and uh, negative voices come our way, we can come to you and we can find grace. We can find mercy. We can find words of encouragement. God, we ask that you would minister to us tonight, that you would help us, oh God, to overcome uh, those things that constantly plague us, God, as we look back on our lives and our failures and those things that we struggle with, Lord. Help us, oh God, to live a life that's victorious in you. Give us understanding from your word tonight. Minister to each and every one of us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you search the scriptures, you won't find an explicit commandment that says, thou shalt forgive thyself. Perhaps if we did, that might make the struggle a little easier. Since we don't find such direct word in scripture, we'll have to rely on what God explicitly says about forgiveness and perhaps uh, other overarching principles that we find in the word of God. So let's first look at God's mission to humanity. John 3, 17 says, For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Here we see that God is not on a mission to catch us in our sins so that he can punish us and ultimately uh, destine us for hell, um, but rather his mission is to save us. So take note of that. God is not out to get us. He's not looking to condemn us. He is on a search and rescue mission. He's searching for those that love him, and he's, his goal is to rescue us. So hold on to that principle. That's a, that, and that goes Old Testament and New Testament. He's always been in that business. I know that scripture uh, speaks of God sending his son. But if you look throughout the Old Testament, that's what the whole law was about. God was finding a way uh, to work with us. He wanted to save us. He wanted us to make it. And so hang on to that principle as we, um, as we go through this uh, study tonight. Psalms 103 verses 10 and 11. I'm reading this from the ESV, so I know that's an odd version, but it put it um, the best way, uh, I think. It says, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those that fear him. Now, those are profound words when you think of who wrote them. That psalm was written by David. If you know anything about David, you know David had his ups and downs. Like God said, he's a man after my own heart. And David did some things that when you and I went back and looked at David's life, we go, that dude is kind of suspect. You know, he had his great moments and he had some epic failures. Any of you ever had some epic failures in your life? Epic. Let, let me share just a couple of them with you. So David wrote this psalm. And I think David wrote this song, I'm sorry, this song, because he had firsthand knowledge 
of God's steadfast love. If you go and read it, you have to do this on your own time. Go and read 2 Samuel. If you just pick up a little piece of his story, and his story is vast, okay, but a little piece of David's story. First, um, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel uh, chapters 11 and 12 is a story of David who sins with Bathsheba. You know, he commits adultery. Uh, he had her husband killed. As a result, um, the child that they conceived died. Um, David's household rebelled against them. His wives were violated by another man. He, he was publicly humiliated before all Israel. But David, exposed and humiliated, repented, and lived to sing songs of praise and thanksgiving to our great God who pardons and forgives us. David was called out, humiliated. The, his sins were passed down to his children. I mean, if you go and read that story, it will utterly break your heart what came about because of David's sin. But David, somewhere, somewhere along the line, when he received God's forgiveness, he, he penned these words. Great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. Steadfast means that God is with us through ups and downs. When we fail, he's with us. When, we're, when we think we're on the mountaintop, he's with us. God's love is steadfast. So if God can forgive us of any and everything, then who are we? Who are we to condemn ourselves? He is the one who has the right to judge, and he chooses not to. The act of forgiveness is so important that in Matthew 6, uh, 14 and 15, he says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive, to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. So our forgiveness of others is directly tied to God's forgiveness of us. So again, if God is committed to forgiving us, and he is, he goes out of his way to forgive us. If he's committed to forgiving us, and he demands, and I'm using that word on purpose, he demands that we forgive each other, then why don't we count ourselves in that? Right? We are a person that God has extended this great gift to this gift of forgiveness. I'm going to read you a lengthy passage here um, that I think really brings home a really important point. I'm going to read to you from Hebrews 10. I'm going to start at verse 1. And the writer of Hebrews says, The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come. Not the good things themselves, the sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. So again, in the Old Testament, under the law, you had to offer a certain sacrifice for certain sins, and you had to do this year after year because your sins were never fully remitted. You had to push them back. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshipers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. Can you imagine having to go year after year and offer sacrifices for this sin you did, you know, last year and the year before? And every time you went to offer that sacrifice, you were reminded of this horrible thing you did. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings. 
but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other burnt offerings up for sin. Then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures. First Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they were required under the law of Moses. Then he said, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second covenant into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all times. Jesus said, I came and killed it. I did it all because I love you. I, I did what the law could not do. I did what no temporal animal sacrifice could do. My blood took care of this forgiveness of sins thing once and for all. Verse 11 says, under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all times. You hear that? Good for all times. Even to this very day that I'm speaking right now, that sacrifice for sins is in effect. Then he sat down in the place of honor. At God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. That's you and I, those who are being made holy. If you have repented of your sins, if you've been washing his blood, you've been filled with his spirit, you are committed to living a life uh, for Christ, you are, you are committed to uh, living for him, you are a part of this, those who are being made holy. God's forgiveness of sins is in effect for your life. Verse 15 says, and the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. For he says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. I'm going to read that part one more time. Verse 17 says, and then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. God is saying, I'll cast them in the sea of forgetfulness. I'm done. I'm not going to remember your sins anymore. So once we repented, by faith, we can know that God has forgiven us. No self-punishment is necessary. No self-condemnation is needed. In fact, to continue to live in that manner after God has been faithful to his word, it really means that we've now elevated ourselves above God. We become our own judges. It's Actually, an attitude of disobedience. God says we have to forgive. That includes you. You just point to yourself. You are you. Right. If we have to forgive each other, and if God is committed to forgiving us, why do you think that doesn't apply to you? Get off your own back. He's the only one who can judge. And he says, I don't choose to. I don't want to judge you. I came to save you. I came to rescue you. So think about that. That when you are bent 
I understand. I'm not making light of our scenarios. And some of us, I mean, we've done horrible things. I have things that I've done are horrible and, and they haunt me. There are times they come back up and I go, man, I really blew it. Not making light of the things that we struggle with. But I am elevating what God did for us. He died for us at Calvary. Let's not just write that off. Let's not make that of, of no effect for our lives because we determined to hold our own sin against us. Let it go. Let it go. To do so, to keep holding on to that, it's an act of disobedience. If that helps your thinking, you know, somehow in our minds, we sometimes we think that when we continue to punish ourselves, if we continue to uh, not allow ourselves to be free from the things that we've done, somehow we think that's a good thing. You know, I don't deserve to be happy because I've done that horrible thing. I don't. Deserve, so we're doing this self-punishing thing. God said, look, I bought it all at Calvary. Let it go. Let it go. Forgive yourself. Really, right now when I'm talking, if you need to stop and repent, you need to think about it, let it go. Yesterday's gone. We can't go back and change the things that we've done yesterday. But we can take God up on that gift of repentance that he's given us. And we can repent. We can ask God to forgive us. And we can accept that forgiveness. And we can move on and live a life that glorifies him. Your woe is me. That's that's how I get when I get in that mode, right? I call it my, my woe is me. When you, you, you know... Oh, poor. No, that's not glorifying God. God shed his blood at Calvary so that you and I could walk in liberty, so that we can, you and I can walk in the freedom that he shed his blood for. So do that. Take God at his word. Do that. Walk in freedom. Walk in his forgiveness. Glorify God by living free from the bondage of sin. Else you have made what he did at Calvary void for you. What an atrocity that is. Let's live free for Christ. I'm going to leave you this one thought <clears throat> from Paul. Right, take this with you. Paul was one who did some things also that he wasn't proud of. You know, he had persecuted the church and he had, you know, stood by and watched saints being uh, martyred for, the, uh, for, the, for, for God. And you know, there, were, there were things that Paul regretted. But this is what Paul ultimately said in Philippians 3, verse 13 and 14. He says, brethren... I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, look, I'm done with yesterday. I'm done with yesterday. Yesterday keeps me in, in, in a place of condemnation. Yesterday leaves me in a place of, of regrets. I'm going to let it go and I'm going to press for what God has for me. I'm going to press for what Christ made available at Calvary. So I call you to do that today. The scripture says, therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Let it go. I hope that's encouraging. I'm not, again, I know sometimes I get intense and I almost sound like I'm scolding my kids here and that's not my intention. I just want to encourage you. Let it go. Be free. Thank you, God, for shedding your blood at Calvary to wash away my sins. Thank you for making repentance available. Thank you for being committed to me through the ups and downs. Thank you for not writing me off. Thank you. I accept your forgiveness, God. You're the one that offered it. I accept it. Thank you. Jesus, we thank you for your word this night, Lord. Help us, O oh God, to walk in the liberty that your blood made possible at Calvary, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your spirit. Oh, God, that guides and leads us and, and, and causes us to be victorious in this life. We thank you, Lord, that we can be witnesses unto your saving grace. God, 
that you can use us, oh God, our past, our experience. You can use all those things. You said all things work together for good to those who love Christ. Even our failures, you can somehow turn around and use them for your glory if we choose to press for the mark. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity and privilege of being your children. We worship you this night, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Help us, O oh God, to shed the, the, the shame of condemnation and, and, and guilt and all those things. Help us to walk free in you, Lord, and to glorify you with this new life that you've afforded us, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Go forgive yourself. I beg you. And walk in all that God has for you. Press for the mark. Good night.